It's the Exit 52 podcast, the only Baltimore podcast where we can record an entire about 90-minute podcast and then notice that we didn't record anyway. So this is take two on a Wednesday night here for the Exit 52 podcast um, as the uh, other two of my co-hosts here rub their faces as we're going to go through this thing again. But we are still going to deliver you the Baltimore content you deserve for the second time, even though no one will see the first attempt. We come off the Ravens. Uh, losing to the Chiefs on Monday night. If you want to go see all of our and listen to all of our raw reaction to that game, go back and listen to the Instant Analysis podcast. You can get all of those takes there. This week is about moving forward to the Ravens game against the Washington professional football team. And one of the things I saw over the last few days, and I'm sure you guys did too on on social media and, and talking in conversation, is some of the panic going on amongst Ravens fans, which just Seems totally unnecessary for me. Lucky for me, I don't need to explain it because I've got the man himself, Banks, to go through his 10 reasons why you should stay off the ledge as a Ravens fan and there are no need to panic. Banks, it's all yours. (laughs) Take two on this. Uh, Yeah, there's no reason to even be on the ledge in the first place. Step away from it. Don't even go near it. There's no need to panic. Yes, the loss was disappointing. It was frustrating. Watching that game was miserable. It was, I mean, we we just don't want to relive it. But with that said, there's plenty of things to be positive about here. Not about the game, but about where the Ravens are. So allow me to introduce for the second time the list. Number one, the Ravens have lost one playoff game and one regular season game in the last 365 days. Relax, people. Number two, don't burn the tape. Learn the tape. This is a phrase that I think I coined and maybe didn't. Might be my subconscious, but I said it the other night on the incident analysis. I haven't, I can't really remember anybody ever saying it. I think it's genius, so I'm going to take credit for it. Don't burn the tape. Learn the tape. This tape is a great diagnosis of what to address moving forward, just like week four was against Cleveland. The Ravens will get better from this. Number three, Despite all of that ugliness, the Ravens still made that a one-score game. It may be frustrating that the Ravens couldn't get the ball back in Lamar's hands in a one-score game, but that circles back to my last point. Next time, the defense will be better, and they will get the ball back in Lamar's hands. Number four, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, they are rookies who had no preseason games whatsoever. They had no real live game reps going into the season. The Browns were and still are trying to figure out their shit offensively, and Bill, Bill O'Brien is a certifiable moron, but a coach like Andy Reid and an absolute stud like Mahomes is going to pick that apart every single time. They'll get real game reps, they'll get experience, and they'll get better. Don't burn, learn. Number five, first game without Tavon Young. Defense was constructed with him in mind to face the Chiefs and similar teams, and finding a solution within one week is a tall task. Yes, they're going to shuffle guys around. Marlon Humphrey's going to play the slot a little more, just like he did last season. But they have three-plus months to figure out their answer for replacing Tavon Young. Six, Vegas knows. Yes, they do. Three-and-a-half game or three-and-a-half point favorites going into that game. That was no mistake. That wasn't by accident. If they played again, the line would change, but it wouldn't be terribly different. I assure you that. Uh, Proof positive of that is that the Ravens opened minus 13 and a half against the Redskins before that game was played. 
that line has only shifted to minus 13. So Vegas still believes in the Ravens, and you should too. Moving on to point number seven, Vegas knows the Ravens are still the second favorite team to win the Super Bowl in the entire NFL. They went into that game as co-favorites at around plus 450 and are now only plus 600. That line shift has way more to do with the, the Chiefs getting the leg up in the standings and the race for the bye than it does with how Vegas views the ability of the Ravens. Vegas still believes in the Ravens, and you should too. Eight, buckle up for this one, folks. You are being poisoned by the fake news media. Don't let people tell you far <laughs> the boys can't get it done in big games. This is a long rant. Buckle up, like I said. The Ravens have beaten the Steelers two times, the Patriots, the 49ers, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Bills, and the Texans two times in the last 365 days. Those teams are essentially the class of the NFL outside of the Chiefs. These teams' records are 68 and 29 during this period, and they're 55 and 16 if you back out the games they played against each other and the Ravens. And the Ravens didn't just beat these teams in these games, they beat the brakes off of them beat them by a combined 152 points or an average of 17 points per win. It doesn't happen by accident. Also, by the way, fun fact, six of nine of those games were by multiple scores. Yeah. Uh, nine, from Nicholas Melendick. This guy gave me this factoid before the game last week. I had meant to put it on the podcast or tweet it or whatever. Slipped my mind. Big mistake by me. Hand up. But the thing is, it actually is more applicable now than it was then. So, from Monday Night Football game, September 28, 1970, Baltimore Colts versus Kansas City Chiefs. Same exact night, 50 years to the day. The bad news there is that the Baltimore Colts lost 44-24, to turning the ball over seven times. The good news is that Baltimore only lost two more games the rest of the season and went on to beat the Cowboys in Super Bowl V. The previous year... Super Bowl IV was won by the Chiefs with quarterback Len Dawson as a Super Bowl MVP. So the Ravens would go on to win the Super Bowl the next year, not the Ravens, the Colts would go on to win the Super Bowl the next year with former University of Louisville quarterback Johnny Unitas. So we've got some parallels at play here. That is a wild fact. Shout out to that guy for figuring that out. Yeah, that's a deep dig. That's incredible. Um, and number 10, Lamar Jackson. Folks, he's the MVP. Big trust. If you're not big trust now, you were never big trust. Period. There's a list. There it is. Ten reasons. Ten good reasons. And, and ones that should, that should give Ruben's fans, you know, a little bit more confidence. RDT, of those reasons, which is the one you're hanging your hat on if you're a Ravens fan? I think it's, it's got to be the one that, that has led them to, to where they are, and it's Lamar. Like I said, you can count on one Jason, Pial, Jason Pierre-Paul hand how many bad games he's had in, <laughs> in, as a starter. And it's, it's the Chargers game. The, you could arguably say the Titans game, even though he had over 500 yards, and this last game. And, and it, sometimes it happens. Tom Brady's had bad games. Peyton Manning's had bad games. Drew Brees has had bad games. Like, good quarterbacks have bad games. And, again, it's not like the, Ra the Ravens are not a bad team, and I know it's, it's been pounded into the ground the last two days where – it, you would think that, that this was a, an AFC championship game or, or like a winner, you know, winner go home game. And it's not, it's week three. They play a cake schedule in the next three weeks, uh, a chance. I mean, they're, they're probably going to be six and one or, you know, four, five and one 
in a couple of weeks and no one is even going to remember this game. Um, I, I do think that the people just have to chill out, let Lamar be Lamar and, and he will, he'll get it back. And again, it was, I think it was one bad game that people are absolutely ripping their hair out over for no damn reason. Yeah. And, and I get the, the fan angst to a certain extent because that's just what fans do. You, you drop to the, you know, worst negative or you raise yourself up to the highest positive. Cause I just think that's how fans act. But this is one of those things where all you've done is watch this team win and win by huge margins for two years, start the season off so hot. And, and they, they came back down to earth a little bit. And, and sometimes that happens. The Ravens didn't go undefeated both times. They won the Super Bowl in 2012 and in 2000, you know, those teams arguably, you know, had points in the season where they looked like they weren't going to be anything. So there's no need to have a giant, you know, meltdown over one game. Um, it's a little, uh, it's a little college fan base esque. I like it, it reminds me of like a college fan base um, that just melts down over everything. I'm not mentioning any specific fan bases, um, <laughs> but that just melts down over, over every little thing that happens. Um, so yeah, I think Ravens fans, a lot of things you said there are so right banks about the, about the team and, and, and moving forward. I do think there are some areas to improve. And one of the things we got asked about a lot this week, and, and I'll shout out a couple people who asked about it. Um, our guy, my guy, Devin Turk, what's going on with the pass rush? What does it mean for Matt Judon and his hopes of a long-term deal? Um, and then we had another question, um, from Ben O'Connor. Do you see the Ravens going after a pass rusher this season before the deadline? That has been one of the uh, parts of the team that has struggled and especially did against Mahomes. There was talk of Jadavian Clowney before the year, obviously is now on RDT's Titans, but what do we think about the pass rush? And, and specifically, I, I guess a little bit Judon, he's supposed to be the guy, you know, he is supposed to be the, the top flight pass rusher on this team and he hasn't gotten it done so far. No. And he's got a pretty big cap number. It was just one year, but from what I had heard over the off season, the, the organization is not exactly enamored with Matt Judon. If they were, they would have signed him to a long-term deal this past year. They don't like to use the, the, uh, the cap. Uh, I mean, my mind's blanking here. Franchise tag. Franchise tag. Franchise tag. They don't like to use the franchise tag on guys just about ever. So they were definitely looking at Clowney and they didn't get their guy that the numbers just didn't quite work out. And if they wanted Judon long-term, they would have signed him to a deal. And uh, it's unfortunate to see him take what could be an opportunity and run with it. And he's just kind of coming up short and not really executing. I mean, I've seen Tyus Bowser in the backfield and at least getting his hands on the quarterback more often than Matt Judon. Um, I really thought that some of the additions uh, with, with Campbell and, um, and with Brandon Williams kind of more sliding more directly over the center, I thought that they, that was going to open up a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to, to rush off the edge, and it just hasn't happened. So I don't know what's out there. I don't know what, what EDC could possibly do. Um, he's kind of at liberty of the market when it comes to a trade or, or the lack of people on the free agent market. But uh, something, something's got to change. You have to give credit to Patrick Mahomes, at least. Um, what he does is so perfect for beating what we do as a defense with the blitzes. Really, the, the scheme with all the blitz packages is to put our guys in in the secondary and trust them in man coverage. And when you do that, your back's turned to the, to the quarterback. And that's when uh, schoolyard ball will happen, if you will. And uh, Mahomes, you know, just beat us over the head with it the other night. Yeah, and the Ravens have six sacks so far this year. That's kind of middle of the road in the NFL. The Panthers have two. 
How crazy Ooh. is that? Two through three Ooh. games. That is that is not a, a good scene for them. But George yeah, Peppers ain't walking through those doors. No, no. no he's, he's certainly not. And and we 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 talked about Clowney before, but yeah, I mean, I think one of the things when we we saw this and we got asked about some of the miscommunications on the Ravens' defense, and we talked about it the other night, but this is a defense that's still coming together a little bit. And I think they had less chemistry as a unit than that Chiefs offense did. And and I think that was part of the reason you saw the result on on Monday night is that Chiefs offense with Mahomes is dialed in. It's a lot. It's pretty much all the same guys against, except for Edwards, Hilaire. Um, And the Ravens have had some new additions and have some guys underperforming. And we touched on the rookies, you know, Patrick Queen just didn't look like he was totally ready for that moment yet, but he also has any preseason games. So he's going to have to work his way into some of these different things. Yeah, for sure. And um, <clears throat> I think that they expected to have some constants in the secondary when they went into the preseason. And I'm all for, and I've been very vocal about cutting um, Earl Thomas was the correct move through and through, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be some, some growing pains when it comes to putting Deshaun Elliott out there. So that's just one less constant in the secondary. And because the secondary has some, some moving parts, the, the pretty much overhauled front seven is even more so um, needed to, to step up or, or they need to come along a little quicker. And it's just maybe, maybe we all kind of overlooked just how many changes occurred on that defense and yeah. just how much that preseason or lack thereof uh, kind of impacted their ability to come out ready to play this season. And we'll see how they, they come together as we move into, and we talked about this the other night, sort of an easier part of the schedule for the Ravens. And it starts with the Washington football team on Sunday at one o'clock at FedEx field. And this feels like a classic get right game for the Ravens. This feels like one where there's not a lot threatening coming out of the football team's arsenal from a defensive or offensive perspective, um, you have, you know, Lamar, who's going to want to, you know, prove the doubters wrong and put up a lot of yards. Um, RDT, what do you see from this game on Sunday? Um, it just feels like one where the Ravens win this by 30 and, and move on to the next game. I was just thinking that if there's one team that you want to play on, I guess, quote, short week, it, it, it's the Redskins. I mean, it's, sorry, the football team. Um, I mean, they're not traveling far. Dwayne Haskins is not keeping any, is not keeping Wink Martindale up at night. That, no. And, you know, Harbaugh is not sitting there. I can guarantee you Harbaugh didn't. It wasn't one of those after the game, go back to the office and start game planning. He probably slept in a little on Tuesday. Because, again, I mean, and now with, with Chase Young probably being out with that groin strain, I mean, who, the, the defensive line is good, you know, but, but Chase Young not being there, is, it, it's not going to make much of a difference even if he was there. And, and like you said, I think this is a game where Lamar says, okay, 97 passing yards last week. Let's, let's go for 397 and, or, you know, let's go for 97 by the end of the first quarter. And, and he's going to get his, he's going to get his yards passing. He's going to probably establish the run and he, and he's going to put up some, some damn good, you know, fantasy numbers. Um, the, the, the Washington just doesn't, it, they don't scare anyone. And, and, and I think, what did we say? The number was it, it's gone down to 13. I think you put your dog on that. If you have one, I think you, you, you bet anything you can on that. Cause again, I think this is going to be the get right game to prove that, that, you know, yeah, we lost to the chiefs. Yeah, it's fine, but they're still a force to be reckoned with. They're, they can still score with the best of them. And I think the biggest thing we have to pay attention to is if we get an RG three homecoming in the fourth <laughs> quarter, 
him we stepping on him stepping onto an empty, uh, an empty sandbox at uh, FedEx Field and and doing giving me like a Gary Bertier point up to the booth. Uh, can, you, can you imagine if he runs one in in the fourth quarter and he <laughs> just goes to the logo? They don't even have a logo though. Like what no, is it's, it's he, the shield. It's the shield. It's just a, oh, it's right. It's the shield. Oh, yeah. they got to have the painted some way. He may just run into the end zone and then run up to the owner's box and just. I hope he you know, just just talk. whips it out and just takes a piss all over that field. <laughs> that <laughs> would be something. Like really, that field that wrecked his career. Wrecked his career. Unbelievable. What's wild about the uh, the Ravens series um, historically with the uh, the Washington football team is in both Ravens Super Bowl years they lost games to the football team um, in 2000 and 2012. So that's kind of odd. Um, if they lose this game, then it's going to be panic meter to a thousand. Uh, because as you said, RDT, Dwayne Haskins is just not a guy that scares you at this point. Um, his most notable um, action in this region is uh, decommitting from Maryland. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't think that he is a guy on the field at this point that gets it done. He's got a lot of tools um, and, and Terry McLaurin's a pretty good wide receiver. Um, but there's just not without Chase Young. I mean, Chase Young is kind of the guy that could be the boogeyman of this team, but Without him on the field, you, you just there's just not a lot that gives you pause um, when you look at this this professional football team from Washington D.C. Yeah, I, I refuse to accept even the possibility that they'll lose this football game. And I, like I if, even if it were a possibility in my mind, I wouldn't allow it to. Like it's just, I can't wrap my head around it at this point. Like I know everyone's in meltdown mode, but there's for probably for my own personal health, like that possibility just doesn't exist. So I have hammered the minus 13. <laughs> better believe I did responsibly, of course. Yes. Um, responsibly. Uh, I just think that they beat the brakes off of these guys. It's just, I think that they're actually going to run the football a ton. I mean, Lamar's going to do his thing for sure. And he's going to cash in, but I think that they're going to get downhill and they're going to let these offensive linemen just get real angry and just take their aggression out on these guys at the second level and I mean, Nick Boyle. I mean, he's just steamroll some people off the edge. I'm excited to see it. Ground and pound football. I think that they're, they, they hear everybody asking the questions about them pretty much abandoning the run in these games. I think they're just going to get back to it and just, just get back to what they're good at. And they're just going to roll. They're going to roll by four or five touchdowns and we're going to see RG three for a couple drives in the fourth quarter. And hopefully we see something real fun out of him. Yeah, the, the, the Washington defense has given up 334 yards a game, which actually uh, ranks pretty high. They're seventh in the NFL um, in terms of yards per game. So defense has played decently. But as you said, um, this feels like a cakewalk for the Ravens. Is this a rivalry at all? Is there, like, is there juice to this game? It feels like there should be, but it never feels like there actually is. Because um, I don't think Redskins, or excuse me, I don't think I think we've all done this once tonight. No. <laughs> I don't think Washington and Ravens fans really like each other all that much. So I think there's some heat there because I mean, but Ravens fans can really only pity Washington fans. I mean, there's really I think that's the, the the entire dynamic is that they're so laughable that it's not even worth getting fired up about. And I think that the Washington fans uh, they know that, and they know at this point. Like they not that they were maybe 15 years ago. They were still kind of riding the high off that the early 90s uh, run that they had, where they just had this expectation that they were going to be good, and doing things like signing everybody under the sun in free agency. But anyways, um, 
they they just don't concern us. No. They're, just, they're supposed to be big brother because of their history and they're little, little brother. So, I mean, I grew up closer to the DC area than I did to Baltimore and I would have to answer at school for better or worse for how these games would go every four years. And, um, you know, it's been pretty right down the middle, like you said, but uh, at the end of the season or whatever it might be, I always had the last laugh and that's just the way it is. I mean, what's like, what would be the, the, the Washington football team's fans trump card over the Ravens? Like, are they really hanging their hat on the 2012 win? Like no one is, I mean, again, the Ravens, you, you know, you guys can say, show off every winning stat that, you, that they've had for the last 25 years. And what, the Redskins have none of that. And, again, if, if that's all they're, they're tipping their hat to is a, is a win where they destroyed RG3 or, you know, where RG3 got his, his knee destroyed, but they won the game, like that doesn't mean anything. And, yeah, I, I don't think it's a rivalry at all. Um, Orioles-Nats, I know we like to talk about that a lot, the D.C.-Baltimore. They also play every year. They play multiple times a year. And, so the, the, and the blood feud that is the Masson dispute. The Masson Cup is one of the most highly sought-after trophies <laughs> in all of sports, um, if not just, you know, the entire world. So it's, yeah, people, again, they play each other. The, the, the Ravens and Redskins are lucky to see each other every four years. You know, if it's not a game like this, it's normally a preseason game where everyone who had the game is already blitzed out of their mind. All you Correct. see is like Chris Cooley and Derek Mason jerseys as far as the eye can see. It's, I, I just don't think it's a rivalry just because it, it's so one-sided. I mean, the Redskins just have nothing to hang their hat on and, and the Ravens have, you know, multiple things to hang their hat on. So yeah, I, I don't consider it a rivalry. I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who does think that, that this is a fully functioning rivalry. And if there's a, a world in which fans are allowed in the game, there's probably, what, 35,000 Ravens fans at this game? I mean, it's probably easier to get a ticket. I mean, it's, it's impossible to travel to FedEx Field or get out of it or park <laughs> there, really do anything there. But it's easier probably financially if you're a Ravens fan that doesn't want to get one in MIT Bank Stadium and you live closer to D.C. Uh, to, or closer to Landover, excuse me, to go down there uh, in, in PG County and go down there to that game. Um, and we would have missed that. It would have really been a great day for Ravens Twitter just make fun of the entire organization. <laughs> uh, they are going through a cultural reset, which they desperately, desperately need under Ron Rivera. But I think at this point they are not up to snuff uh, when it comes to challenging this Ravens team. So this looks like it'll be a game where the Ravens move to 3-1. and one. Uh, Score predictions. We'll go, around the, uh, we'll go around the horn here. Thanks. Uh, 42-10. Blowout. I'll say – see, I'm at 42. I like I'll, – I'll say, I'll say 42-24. I think, I think the – Wow, they, Dwayne I think Haskins. They get, I think they get some garbage the second half. We're playing pre-event the whole time. Also, I just want to know – I just want it out there. I don't think that franchise deserves Ron Rivera, like just as a person. Or and everything. Also, shout out to him for for fighting and doing. Sure. Yeah. That that guy's that guy's had to deal with more shit in the first six months before they even played a game than than any coach. Yeah. Really. We could do an entire two hours on the last eight months for that (laughs) franchise. Got it. That would be the worst episode of anything ever. Yeah, it really would. It'd be horrible, and no one would listen, and they they would rightfully not listen. My score is going to be thirty eight thirteen. to the Ravens uh, as they pound the Washington uh, football team 
um, in a game that you can see at one o'clock on CBS from FedEx field, Andrew Catalan, James Lofton, AJ Ross, the like fifth string team for CBS uh, on this one. And probably rightfully so this will, this will be one where Scott Hansen goes on red zone. He's like, let's head back to DC and the Ravens are back in the red zone. And they just kind of stop going after like the first quarter. Cause the game's over. Um, we just never <laughs> see the game yet. Uh, so that should be fun. Uh, the Ravens, and the Washington professional football team on Sunday. First interview for the pod uh, this week, um, John Minidakis, a Maryland Baltimore legend at this point, the president of Jimmy's Seafood. And you guys had a great conversation with him. My favorite part about Jimmy's right now is they are almost the, you know, defender of Baltimore's honor uh, on social media as a restaurant and represent so many great parts of the city and it's sort of blue collar mentality. Um, the conversation you guys had with him was awesome. Oh yeah, no question. He just embodies what Baltimore's all about. Blue collar guy, uh, gives back to the community. Just really, I mean, I wanted to run through a brick wall, even within the first five minutes of him just talking about what the restaurant means to him and uh, just all the things that, that they've been through and, and some of the challenges they faced during COVID. And of course the Twitter beefs, I mean, <laughs> That's what it's all about with Jimmy's. It seems like that's how they're a nationally known brand and uh, they make Baltimore proud. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and John has given so much to the city and uh, we'll continue to be involved. I think a little bit in this podcast as we move forward. So let's get to your guys conversation with John talking about Jimmy seafood. Something magic happens. All righty. We're going to jump right into it. First guest on the exit 52 podcast, a, a man that if you've been around the Baltimore area, if you've been on Twitter, if you watch the Food Network, if you do any charity things in the area, you know who this guy is. Uh, absolute legend, just in every aspect of life. John Menadakis, owner of Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Uh, one of the best people I know, just an all-around saint for everything he does. John, thank you so much for uh, being our first guest. Gosh, man, that, at least you uh, set the bar nice and low. So everybody after me, it'll be uphill from here. So that's smart, <laughs> good strategy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, we, we were, we've tossed around. We have a nice little guest list of uh, people that we wanted to have on. And your name was, was obviously one of the, uh, the big ones. And again, it's like you can't, you can't turn on a TV station or you can't up, you know, look on Instagram or Twitter without seeing that, that Jimmy's logo. Um, and it's just, again, I mean, like, like we've harped on it before. Everything you guys do in the area is great. Um, whether it's, you know, food drives, whether it's charity events, it's, it's you know, catering, special events. Um, you, got, you, guys, you guys seem to get it more than, than anyone in the area. So we, we thought you would be a good person to, you know, bat lead off for this thing. Yeah, I mean, I uh, appreciate that. Uh, just very, you know, blessed, obviously, and humbled by the community. I mean, it's been, you know, almost 50 years now. So we've been open for a long time and uh, you know, we just have, you know, morals and uh, guidelines that we definitely stick by. Uh, and then, you know, anybody that's been to Jimmy's knows that it's definitely a family vibe in there. And that goes, you know, from the employees uh, to the customers as well. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think when you're on the other side of the bar or when you're on the other side of the dining room, uh, you want to have some confidence and you want to have, uh, you know, some love knowing where your money's going. Um, and that's why it's always important for us to kind of you know, set the example. And, you know, my, my philosophy there uh, has always been, you know, if some little crab spot in Dundalk can, uh, you know, go out of their way to, you know, try and make somebody happy, I'm sure I can do it myself. And, you know, I think that, you know, Baltimore is a, um, a resilient place and it's a blue collar town. And, 
they pick up on that and, you know, they exceed our expectations seemingly daily. Jeez, that's, that's just speak from the heart kind of stuff right there. That's, <laughs> um, I, I'm jumping into the conversation here. You guys are really just hitting all the, all the key spots. Um, yeah, just iconic stuff here in Baltimore, Jimmy Seafood. It's, it's what it's all about. It's blue collar. It's a small, small business with kind of a big presence. And um, obviously, there's been some challenges that have been ongoing with COVID. Um, so what have you had to kind of adjust? What have you had to change? What's been your game plan to kind of keep things, keep the train rolling? Yeah, I mean, it kind of everything changed, man. Uh, you know, the playbook went out the window when COVID hit, and uh, we just had to come up with a new game plan and adjust on the fly. Um, we're still learning. Obviously, nobody has all the answers, but, you know, some of the things that uh, did have a pretty good deal of success were obviously uh, things that we had in place that we maybe didn't take advantage of as much as we should have in the past, like our food trucks, uh, obviously our nationwide shipping, because when people were stuck at home all day, uh, they were you know, able to order Jimmy's in New York and Arizona and San Francisco. So that was pretty neat. And that's actually still going pretty strong today. Of course, our, our meal prep program, uh, Jimmy's Famous Meals did real well for people that were, you know, really like weight conscious and health conscious and didn't want to gain weight while they were sitting around the house. Of course, uh, you know, when we were able to reopen again, uh, having the outdoor dining, we literally put a tent up in the parking lot, like, you know, some kind of circus, and we adjusted. And, uh, you know, that kind of gave us the idea of you know, building a crab deck, which just opened a few weeks ago. And when we reopen the second floor bar, we'll have a lot more outdoor seating. So, uh, you know, it's kind of rolling with the punches, man. Uh, every day seems to have new rules and new guidelines. And, you know, we analyze those. We make sure that, you know, the staff's on board, the staff's happy, the morale's high. And uh, we take it from there, man. Now, you were just talking about all that expansion and all that. Now, the building itself, it's, it's definitely a special building to you. And you've obviously seen it change over the years. Can you give us just like a quick history of what the, the Jimmy's Seafood building originally was? Yeah, I mean, that was my house. Uh, you know, I lived there. I grew up there, literally. I literally grew up on top of a bar. Uh, you know, I got some great stories, obviously, as you can imagine. You know, being an adolescent male, growing up on top of a bar, you know, put two and two together. <laughs> And, um, you know, when you're hungry, if you wanted a drink for your buddies, you know, who were in high school at the time, you were probably going to have a little better access than most. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I grew up there uh, until recently. You know, we moved out, obviously, when we needed more room to create the bar. So, you know, it's, it's literally my, my life. Um, you know, even now that I don't live there, I'm, I'm there, you know, at least five nights a week, probably six days a week, mostly, uh, if not seven, of course. Now the football season's here, no more Sundays off. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, that's why I care about the place so much and the upkeep uh, physically as well as obviously the product that we're putting out and the images out there. Now, have you guys ever had, whether it's been internal talk with, with you know, you and, your, you and Tony or, or you and, and some of the other people expanding outside of just Hollabird and, and going into the city, going into, you know, Ocean City, you take a trip down to Florida, something like that. You guys ever thought of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's definitely a demand there from, you know, as you referenced vaguely, uh, social media and, and just having that brand out there now. And, you know, luckily having been on the Food Network and the Travel Channel a few times, you know, the brand's kind of growing now. And, uh, we, you know, we get the emails every day, we get the comments. And, you know, I think there's definitely a demand there. It's just really hard to replicate what we have at Jimmy's. And, you know, you touched on the story of, you know, living on top of the place and, you know, that building, um, you know, so has so much history to it, even before it was Jimmy's. You know, it was a slow I call. And how do you replicate that? How do you replicate that parking spot? And how do you replicate the carryout and the bar and the upstairs bar and the catering? You kind of can't 
So, you know, I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, in my short time in the business, uh, just kind of fall on their faces when they get greedy and um, they get too big too fast. And it's all about sustainable growth. That's a term that I use a lot uh, in, in, in our business. And, you know, when, you know, when the Capita explosion happened and when Portnoy is tweeting about Jimmy's and like, you get like all this attention and it, it, it can't get to your head, man. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of people let that get to their head and they get their, they get their finances involved. I think that's a big mistake. Um, so you got to have a really great team if you want to take that step. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, look, it'd be a dream to come true to have a Jimmy's in Ocean City, to have a Jimmy's in Annapolis, to have a Jimmy's in Tampa, or in San Diego. But uh, if you're not going to be there physically, you got to have somebody, you know, damn good uh, there to watch it for you. And, you know, if we do that one day and, you know, uh, it's not going to happen anytime soon, probably. Uh, it won't be Jimmy's. It'll be a Jimmy's concept. It'll have like maybe the Jimmy's crab cake somewhere. It'll be like Jimmy's on the water with, you know, some like kebabs and the Jimmy's crab cake. But you'll, you'll never be able to replicate that sign and that history and what it means. So, uh, you know, I think the safe bet is it will only be one Jimmy's forever. That's some real Shark Tank shit right there. That was a, almost like a, a business pitch in itself. We, just, we need to get you on the corp there with A-Rod and Big Cat and all that. <laughs> um, A-Rod's been to Jimmy's. We came for the UFC fights once. What? Yeah, it was wow. real weird. He was very weird about, like, a private entrance, and it was actually like a thunderstorm. So uh, he had, like, his driver hold the umbrella for him. <laughs> uh, great tipper. Uh, didn't ask for anything special besides the private entrance, and he wanted to see the fights, and he, he – he, uh, I forget which, who was dating at the time, but I remember somebody being attractive and, and then he kind of rolled out once the fights ended, just, uh, really kept to himself. Uh, not overly nice, not a, a jerk by any means. Uh, big dude. I remember that really big dude. Yeah. I can't imagine. So that was, um, we were going to kind of save a few of the, the more fun questions for the end. And that kind of jumped into, it's a good segue into at least one of them, but, uh, Jimmy's, pretty notorious for having some famous people come by. That's a famous brand. And you, you blast it on social media when those people come by and they, they have smiling faces because they love the food and they love the experience. But who would you say is your biggest get for that so far? And who, who's left on the list or who's, who's your big bucket list? Guy? Who's the white whale? White whale. I was watching a, a show the other day and they used that term. And I was like, my white whale is definitely Roy Williams personally. Huh. Uh, I want to get into Jimmy's. It'll happen one day. We actually have um, the UNC football coaches coming tomorrow uh, on their way to Boston College. Uh, you know, you know the, the list, obviously, for personal and, I guess, uh, national are, are two different things, I would see, right? Like when Tom Hanks came in, look, amazing actor, uh, huge deal. Uh, you know, just I wasn't overly excited. You know what I mean? Uh, I was more excited that his wife was there and she was Greek Orthodox. Um, so, <laughs> Uh, Guy Fieri, of course, uh, he's just like the champion of the industry. You know, to sure. have him in your place, it does, doesn't get any bigger than that. Uh, you know, on personal level, obviously, you know, Roman Reigns, the first time he came in, I was really excited because, I mean, I was a fan of his work. Um, anytime, you know, the Tar Heels come in, like Reggie Bullock came in, you know, Sean May, guys like that come in. It's always exciting for me. Uh, but, you know, it's it's kind of like business as usual at the end of the day, because they're, they're all there for the same reason. Anybody's there that's, you know, to get a great experience. And uh, you know, the, the minute you start kind of freaking out and, and, and fanboying, you, you kind of lose the essence of Jimmy's. So you got to make sure that, you know, they're kind of getting the same experience as everybody else. And um, 
that's I think that's what makes Jimmy special. Like this this past Friday, Ray Rice came in on his way to a funeral in Carolina. And, uh, you know, I texted Eric and I told him, I said, you know, I still don't see anybody get the love that Ray gets when he comes in this place compared to like any other Raven or Orioles since he's left. And I think that that's a connection that he has with the city. And I think that that's a connection that he has with, you know, the Jimmy's brand and the blue collar kind of person that will be attracted to Jimmy's. And I think that that's the uh, connection that he has uh, with Baltimore as a town. Um, and I remember, you know, uh, when, you know, everything first went down, he got in trouble. I remember Kevin Byrne writing a piece and uh, he referenced that Ray Rice never said no to anything that he needed charity-wise, right? If he needed him to go somewhere for an appearance. And, you know, look, the guy, you know, he obviously made a tragic mistake and I'm sure he wishes he could have it back and everybody involved us too. But, uh, you know, I guess uh, he did build up some goodwill while he was in town and to see him get treated so well when he's at Jimmy's, it's nice, man. I'm sure he probably doesn't get that anywhere else. So I think that's why he comes in a lot. That makes a ton of sense. Now you referenced in the middle there, Guy Fieri. Um, obviously being on his show is uh, what one, one would consider a good break. What would you say at any given point in, I, I want to say back to 1974 is when the business was started. Mm -hmm. what, what would you say was your biggest break or what were kind of the, the big, I mean, this is kind of going back to the beginning with the history, but. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's that, man. And um, I remember, uh, you know, when we were going through the process that we might be on the show, and when we finally got the show, as being, you know, it kind of feels like when you're in our industry, like you want a Super Bowl because nobody can ever take that away from you. Uh, once you're on that show, it's like you got the ring, uh, you got the trophy. And, you know, no matter what somebody on Yelp says, man, like Guy Fieri came to your place. Like he identified your place and he put you on national television. And uh, I remember when we were getting ready for it to air, um, Bob from Chaps, Chaps Pit Beef, uh, you know, he was like a, like a big brother to us. He guided us through the, the whole process and uh, preparing for the aftermath and getting ready for all these new customers coming in from out of town. And even people that drive by Jimmy's daily, right? They just never stop. You know, people, when you get into your routine, especially with your food, you kind of go to the same places all the time. So now somebody that's like, you know, living off Hollywood Avenue or living in Canton, that's like, oh, wow, Jimmy's right there. I'm going to go check it out. So, you know, we were ready for that onslaught. And I think that's, that's the most important thing because it was first 72 hours. And every time that, you know, uh, one of the episodes re-airs, uh, we're on high alert for 72 hours. And uh, we make sure to identify, um, you know, who's there for the first time. And we kind of have a, a secret signal within <laughs> the place of who's there for the first time. And we make sure to uh, send them home happy and, you know, get them some merch if we can. And it's really cool just uh, walking through the parking lot and just seeing all the different license plates from North Carolina and New York and Delaware and PA. It's like real humble, you know. Now, we, we've talked about a couple of the people. We, we, obviously, we got to talk about the social media. Whoever it is, quote unquote, that runs that social media, that Twitter account knows what they're doing. They, 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 they've been in the trenches. They know, they know what they're doing. So we listed out a couple of the famous I guess Jimmy's beefs if you want to. So we have Jimmy's versus PETA, yep. Jimmy's versus Portnoy, mm -hmm. Jimmy's versus Redskins fans, mm -hmm. Jimmy's versus Yelp, <laughs> Zach Levine, yeah. Pro Football Talk. Oh, yeah. I, I threw in the Mia Khalifa one. Oh, yeah. They're all good ones, man. Uh, and I, So you don't have to give us a, the one through seven or one through eight, but give us maybe your top three of, of those, those beefs. Just well, you know, PETA – Tito's definitely far and away number one. Um, you know, I think just you know, he going back to this uh, 
just the blue collar Baltimore came out in the brand on that one. And I think so many people rallied around it. <laughs> I think that it was uh, during, you know, time in, you know, our nation's history when people were kind of fed up with PC and these vanilla brands on Twitter. And I think people have always uh, kind of despised PETA. So to see somebody, you know, stick up to them, uh, especially locally uh, as Baltimoreans, and you know how we are with our crabs, obviously Baltimore uh, loved it and got a smile out of it. Uh, I think nationally people were like, wow, man, like uh, it's so cool to see a family owned business, not, not take it lying down. So, uh, you know, that put us on the map, obviously uh, nationally. And, um, you know, that and Guy Fieri are probably the two biggest uh, breakthrough moments of my life uh, professionally. Um, the Portnoy thing, I think we're still in the batter's box there uh, because <laughs> we're comings of his team and our team, obviously, but, um, you know, I've, I've watched the guy and I've respected everything he's done. I've been a big fan of his since the beginning. And uh, I think that, you know, deep down, I think he, he probably did some real quick background on Jimmy's and he saw that we're a family owned business and just like, you know, bar stools built from the ground up. So I've seen him destroy people on social, right? Obviously, you know, suit man, so many others. And, you know, he, he's not saying, Hey, your food sucks, you know, and you're, you have a, a crappy restaurant. He's saying, Hey, your team sucks. And, you know, this might never happen because the Ravens are choking, you know, every time we need them to come through. So that's, you know, that, that's a personal one that I think um, will come to fruition at some point. Yeah, you're not on that cheese boy list. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's <laughs> not you know, getting personal and, and, you know, hurling insults. And he's actually you know, being pretty funny. So hopefully, you know, the Ravens, excuse me, uh, the Patriots lose the Chiefs this Sunday so I can have some fun with him. And, uh, gosh, uh, I mean, the Redskins fan one, we'll, we'll find out Sunday, I guess, how bad that is. Um, Has anybody yeah. tried to come fight you? No. You know, no. I, I think all three of us, you know, and, and anybody that's listening to the podcast is probably pretty involved in Twitter. And, uh, you know, the one thing that you'll learn uh, the older you get is that the real world and the Twitter world are two vastly different entities, right? Um, so – Hopefully, you know, if the Ravens do win, you know, I'm sure that Jimmy will be cool about it. Uh, you know, if they don't win and somebody, you know, luck or some chance, you know, the Washington football team does pull up the upset, I'm sure dimensions will be a, a lot of fun to read. So, uh, you know, I told my buddy before this week, I said, I see the Ravens split in these next two games, and I'd much rather lose the Chiefs in Washington. So, uh, <laughs> I guess you got to be from the area to understand this one, though, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I grew up in the, uh, the more closer to the D.C. area myself, so I grew up in Redskins territory. And this game, for a lot of years, was the biggest one circled on the list. There's so many bigger games, bigger fish to fry than the Washington football team at this point, but um, I, still, I still need to have this one. I can't really accept Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I grew up, uh, you know, in the Greek community, and we'd always travel to the D.C. market and the D.C. area uh, for this Greek basketball league that I was in. And uh, you know, it was all Redskins fans there, and we obviously uh, were fortunate enough to get the Ravens uh, later on, and uh, it was a nice little rivalry there. And it's, you know, uh, you know, Redskins fans, uh, they definitely have a very uh, high opinion of their organization <laughs> there. <laughs> I was going to say, I totally forgot about that high school Redskins kid who said he was going to come in. Yeah. Guys there, were, there were a few, you know, we got a couple of death threats, a couple were burning the place down, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, man, it's just football, and I'd, I'd much rather deal with a Portnoy than, you know, somebody that takes it that seriously. Now, I do have a direct quote from 
I suppose the Twitter account. So I, I don't know who the, who to attribute that to. Um, but the person on the Jimmy seafood account said lot of Redskins fans in our mentions, keep that same energy when we take over your rundown stadium next season. So it begs the question, did they get the last laugh? Well, unfortunately there won't be any fans in there. Uh, you know, that sucks because, um, the DC trip and the Philly trip would have been a lot of fun. And, um, as exciting as our home schedule would have been this year, uh, as a fan and as a business owner, the road trips were going to be just as fun, in my opinion. Uh, and sure. if it's ever been a, a terrible year for COVID to hit, it was this year because we'd have been obviously taking, you know, buses on top of buses. We've and never every, had a more locally centric. Yeah. Every bar in Baltimore would have had a bus going to DC this week. And then uh, with Philly coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, would have been very similar. Um, of course, probably would have been a little more expensive because they have a little more diehard fan base. And then, you know, if you even look at like Pittsburgh and, you know, the New England game, it would have been a lot of fun without you getting you know, on an airplane this year. And uh, it's kind of sucks. Uh, you know, I'm really upset about it because, you know, personally, you know, obviously everybody knows we do the big tailgates. Uh, when I get to go to a road game, I get to actually enjoy it and watch the game. I'm not working. And I got kind of stripped away from us this year, which – you know, for personal reasons, it sucks. Hmm. Definitely. Were there any rivalries that we didn't think of? God, like, I'm sure there's a bunch, man. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's crazy because people, you know, they, they, they've probably seen Jimmy's getting so many beefs online and, you know, they might live in like a Kansas City or an Iowa or a Texas and they probably think it's just like a big like, chain. And then, you know, when you come to Jimmy, <laughs> it's like this privately owned like family yeah. restaurant with, you know, all these, you know, employees working there, it's like, oh, wow. They, uh, they really have made a mark for themselves. And uh, I think that, you know, you got to give each venue, uh, each avenue of social media its own voice. So, um, you know, there's always those memes that go around. It's like, uh, you know, me on Facebook, me on Instagram, me on Twitter. But it's mm -hmm. you know, that's true because yeah. uh, if you put – you know, the same crab cake picture up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Why would I, as a consumer, follow you on all four platforms when I'm getting the same message? So I can have, you know, if I follow Jimmy's on Twitter, I can see them, you know, talk trash to PETA. If I follow them on Instagram, I'm probably going to get a little more in-depth with, like, the food and, like, really get into the intricacies of the ingredients. You know, your Facebook, obviously, we want people to buy stuff, you know, T-shirts and, and shipping stuff and making you aware of the events. And now, you know, we're kind of learning the LinkedIn as we go. We're learning the YouTube as we go. Uh, we're learning even TikTok as we go because, um, you know, it's we're kind of getting to that age as, as a brand uh, where, like, all the decision makers, you don't want to um, get passed by, right? And, like, it sucked losing my dad when I was 20. But I also know that... Um, you know, half of the stuff that we pulled off between ages like 20 and like 33, he would have, you know, put the big X nail on. He would have like, you're not doing that. Cancel that. No way. No chance. We're doing the same thing that worked for me that got me, you know, off a boat as an immigrant and, you know, made me, you know, this building here. Uh, so it's worked for me for 20, 30 years. It's going to work for you. And in actuality, we all know that while like that, that same like, formula works you got to like kind of dress it differently uh, to get people in there because you know telling people to come in there for steak night on a tuesday night and getting you know 
a side order of baked potato and, you know, salad just isn't going to cut it. You know, you got to evolve with the times. Sure. Um, so I don't know if you caught this today, but uh, we've actually been having some issues on social media ourselves. Our intern is getting a little loose, uh, a little over his skis. Uh, may have forgotten to even open the DM mailbag before today's. So we've done two weeks of mailbags mm-hmm. and said that the, the DMs are open and this stupid intern of ours didn't even open the DMs. Oh, man. So, we could probably use some help on the social media. Um, so consider this our request to re- uh, interview your coordinator. All right. Well, we actually just hired uh, some, some new people on our team, too, for social media. The one is actually working on a video that, like I said, we get to drop hopefully Sunday on Portnoy. Uh, it should be pretty good. Um, but, you know, you guys get it, too. It can't be uh, – if you're going to really take social media seriously and, and if you're going to um, – let it be part of your identity. Uh, you got to have a lot more than one person and uh, not just for the workload, but also you have to, you have to have voices, right? You have to have uh, insight and you know, you can't be, look, I mean, like, with your guys, like Eric's a Titans fan, everybody knows that. So they're going to like enjoy giving him a hard time when the Titans lose via the podcast. Uh, everybody's got to have like, you know, their own unique blend. Uh, you know, we try to like, obviously me and Tony are guys, we try to have, you know, women give insight as much as possible, too, on their point of view. And, you know, we check the, the analytics and how many of our followers are female, how many are, fe- uh, are male, how old are they. And we try to make something appeal to everybody uh, for every, every demographic. Sure. And by the way, that intern's me. <laughs> if you didn't pick up on that. <laughs> yikes. Yikes. <laughs> Big yikes. Oi. Now do we want to talk about the Ravens and then uh... – which oh, no, I gotta, this year or, or, I, or you want to do to your question? Do your no, question. I think I have one more, one more Twitter uh, question and or I'll go for it. Have you ever uh, considered printing out your best tweets and just framing them and putting them around the restaurant or. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've had a, a, a different ones, uh, t-shirts we thought of um, like a hall of shame kind of of everybody that we burn. Uh, and we're we're going to do something when the uh, second floor bar opens, you know, you can do a lot of stuff digitally too now. So as you guys know, we have the rotating screens there at Jimmy's. Uh, with a, a lot of our uh, advertisements and specials. So we were going to start uh, incorporating some of our better tweets over the years because it's been so long, man. It's been, I think, 2009 <laughs> on there. I did some and, digging today. I mean, there's a lot out there. Yeah, yeah. So there's, and there's, there's some good stuff out there, man. And, uh, you know, timing's everything. I remember um, the Mia Khalifa one, I mean, that started over – she defended like a Duke Blue Devil or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, before that, uh, you know, she had no problem promoting Jimmy's and coming to Jimmy's. And she was, like, so upset that, you know, Austin Rivers is a complete bust in the NBA and was in college. And she decided to go after a seafood restaurant. So, of course, we had to fire back. <laughs> Have to. So, yeah. tying in a little college basketball here, uh, who's your favorite college basketball player to ever record a triple-double and a double-overtime win? And why is it Grievous Vasquez? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> no. I mean, look, Grievous was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, but he just had nothing around him at the time. Fair. He had a three-point shooter that helped him out. And yeah, he had, he had enough stuff. Landon Milbourne. But you know, it's, again, I, real well. but other than that, I think why people loved him, and, and this transcends uh, the Turks and it goes into, you know, the Orioles and definitely the Ravens, uh, the area just falls in love with, like, their blue-collar athletes. It's just right? passion, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, so, you know, a bunch of guys come to mind when you think of like, the, the gravest Vasquez mold, uh, you know, Mouton in basketball. Saragusa, you know, Kelly Gregg, you know, there's like, you know, 
lunch pail, whatever they're called, guys, you know, Baltimore just, you know, takes like a, you know, Adam Jones even, uh, a love sure, to them sure. guys that just show up and, and do their job and kind of don't get that love nationally that they probably deserve. Makes sense, yeah. Like I said, do we want to – we could jump into – we'll do some quick Ravens talk and then we'll let you go. Uh, this this team, what, what do you think of them this season? And, and what do you – again, I know it's hard. It's only week three. They're coming off their first loss of the year. But what do you, what do you see them, them doing going forward? Yeah, well, you know, the, the most important thing uh, through three weeks, and, you know, my, my prediction was three and one for four weeks, they'd have a loss in there, would be, as a fan, uh, to stay healthy. And, you know, besides the Tavon Young injury, they've managed to do that because when you don't have the preseason in any sport, you're just, you know, really opening yourself up to injuries and problems. And, you know, skating by those first two weeks with ease kind of played into that. Uh, you know, objectively, uh, if I was a football fan looking out, uh, looking in from the outside, you got to at this point just say they're choke artists and they can't win the big one and kind of label them the Buffalo Bills, right? Um, you know, as a fan of the franchise, I kind of hope that that's definitely wrong. The question marks that we had coming into the season have magnified themselves, you know, pass rush, uh, receivers. Uh, so it kind of felt like deja vu on a Monday night with the Titans game, uh, just getting away from, uh, you know, what got us there and abandoning the running game early. Uh, just, you know, didn't feel like a Ravens game. And uh, I don't know how much of that has to do with, you know, the, the crowd not being there because, of course, Tennessee knocked the crowd out of it early. Um, it's just a weird year. Uh, and, look, there's nothing wrong with being the second-best team in football, but I think people are overreacting right now. Uh, I think the Ravens are by far the second-best team in football. And the Chiefs are just, unfortunately, that much better right now. And uh, you know, if you're the Ravens and, and you're going to run into them again uh, in the playoffs, you got to hope, I guess, for a few things. Number one, uh, an early lead. I'm sure if there's one thing that Harbaugh could change from Sunday, it would be to go for it in that first fourth down of the of the game uh, instead of kicking three. Uh, you probably got to hope for some weather uh, to make it more uh, likely for a running game and slow down the passing game. And, you know, you, know, you got to kind of hope that if you look at the games that the Chiefs have lost over the years has been with a banged up Mahomes. So uh, you kind of got to hope that, you know, he's nicked up uh, by the time you, you see him in, you know, the second round or the third round. But, uh, you know, if I'm the Ravens right now, uh, I'm kind of worried about the Pittsburgh Steelers a little bit too uh, because that defense is looking scary. And uh, with us having questions on the offensive line, uh, they can really neutralize Lamar in the running game. Sure, absolutely. It's a little bit of a change of tune. I think it was made in jest, but I think the word choke artist may have been used by you at some point. Yeah, I said, you, you know, uh, I mean, obviously, us being, you know, the Ravens uh, restaurant, uh, we, <laughs> we lose, we get lit up, you know. It's, oh, yeah. It's like, okay, man, where's the time to make some crab cakes over here? But sure, we'll hear everything <laughs> Dude, you got to say. Tuesday was a rough one of my mentions. I mean, like, like, uh, you know, people, that, you know, they, they save like uh, tweets from like three, four years ago. I'm like, they're living in, you know, Alaska and California and in Florida. And they're like, oh, hey, Jimmy's, your Ravens are a bunch of choke artists. And, uh, you know, you get these terrible nicknames that they come up with. So right now, you know, it, it just sucks. It's uh, as a fan, it sucks. You kind of don't have much ammo to go back at them with. So hopefully, uh, you know, these next two weeks are convincing wins. And, you know, the Ravens are sitting there at four and one healthy. And then they can kind of fleece somebody on the trade market. Uh, as they do. Uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's their MO recently. So, uh, you know, uh, the one thing that I'm watching more than anything else this, this year in the NFL is 
I'm watching, you know, I'm, I love college sports, as you guys know, is uh, the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Because if, if, if I was ever going to tank a year, it would be one where my attendance would not be affected, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're going 0-8 or 1-7 or 1-6 or 2-6, you don't have to worry about attendance in November and December. So you got to have a fire sale, and the Ravens need to identify, you know, one of these teams and uh, you know, try and pull off another Marcus Peters because – that kid's special, man. Uh, you know, in Carolina, I think they would love to have him stay in state. Uh, so, you know, them winning this week, I don't know how wise that was. And then you got two young quarterbacks in New York and Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. So do you pull the plug on those guys after a year or two um, and, and go after Trevor Lawrence? You know, there's a lot of question marks. You know, the one thing that I was very happy about this all season was the Patriots signing Cam Newton because – I don't think he's good enough to bring you a ring, but he's definitely good enough to, you know, get you in the playoffs. Keep him in the conversation. And that kept them out. Cause like when their players started, yeah. you know, sitting the season out, I kind of felt like Belichick had his master plan where I had sure. 15 years and now I'm going to have Trevor Lawrence 15 years. And, uh, you know, them getting out to a two and one star has probably already eliminated them. Uh, and then of course, the, the Jaguars are probably in the conversation too, but, you know, getting back to our team, man, uh, until, you know, they, they can win that prime time playoff or Chiefs game, we got to just, you know, eat it as, as fans and as a fan base. And uh, there's a lot worse places to be, right? But sure. uh, That's a bottom yeah. line for me. And, you know, um, uh, there was a Bill Simmons article a long time ago, and it talked about enjoying the ride of your favorite team because we've probably all been to the parade at least once. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate to be to it twice. And, you know, when you're kind of sitting there and, and the Ravens have won the Super Bowl and, you know, they go through that parade, you kind of get that, well, now what feeling, right? And you're already looking mm-hmm. for the draft. So, you know, I'm okay. And that's why I wasn't upset about the Tennessee loss last year because I didn't have any expectations for the team to dominate the way they did. And I enjoyed every week. And I enjoyed a 13-game winning streak, which is Shit, crazy. that Rams game, man. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, that's I enjoy it every week. And, you know, if you had told me before the season that, hey, John, like, you know, they're going to have two losses all year long. You're not going to have a loss after September. And you're going to be in the playoffs. And you're going to have a home playoff game and a first-round bye. As a fan, you get to watch all the NFL playoff games and have zero stress. Sign me up, right? And actually, sure. honestly, sign me up every year. Now, I might have a different tune if it happens again and again and again. But, you know, we got to kind of count our blessings here and, I think that, honestly, the, the, the organization, uh, they'll never admit this, obviously, was probably looking to this year and next year as their window, right? Yeah, we were ahead of the curve. And last year, exactly, you know, just uh, sprinkles on, on the Sunday. So, uh, as a Ravens fan, man, you got to be real happy with uh, the product, not only on the field, uh, but off the field as well. I think that, you know, they really continue to set the standard for what an NFL franchise should look like. Uh, you know, them – People don't want to hear this. You know, the Steelers and the Patriots, uh, they just do, continue to do things right, uh, you know, continue to care about the players, continue to bring in the right kind of player. And, uh, you know, we're very fortunate because we only have two professional teams to begin with. So, you know, if, if one of those teams isn't good, uh, we're down to one. And then if two of them aren't good, like, what do we have to live for, right, as a sports fan? Yeah. So, uh, you know, right now things are good, man. Uh, the, the Orioles – they're amassing a boatload of talent. They exceeded expectations. And the Ravens are just, you know, if you're going to call me a bridesmaid all day, so be it, man. I'm just happy to be at the party. Sure. That's well said. I think that's some good perspective based on uh, what we'll be talking about on the rest of the podcast. So, um, 
awesome, awesome interview here, I think. Um, thanks, thanks so much for coming on and being our first guest. I mean, you guys are iconic in Baltimore. Uh, any last thoughts here, Eric, to you know, any last questions here? I was going to say, I mean, everyone should know, but let us know where we can find you guys on social and the address yeah. for the- Get your uh, plugs in. We'll see, we'll yeah, see. we uh, Jimmy Seafood on uh, Twitter and Instagram, double S, uh, Jimmy's Famous Seafood on Facebook. And, uh, you know, we'll get that YouTube and LinkedIn and uh, TikTok even working at some point. I just want to, you know, wish you guys a lot of luck, man, with this podcast. Uh, you know, there's a million podcasts out there, but uh, I think one thing that Baltimore does like is uh, competition uh, in the sports radio world. And, uh, you know, knowing you guys, knowing your work ethic, knowing your passion and uh, knowing your connections, I think you're going to give uh, the guys over at the sports station a lot for their money. And I'm sure uh, you guys already know this, but whatever you need, just let me know. That's what we're here that's for, why, baby. That's why you're the man. We appreciate it, John. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thank you, man. Take care. Thanks, man. Back to you in the studio. Trust, trust. Back on the Exit 52 podcast, awesome conversation you guys have with them. The social media beef stuff is just insane. How, like, a, a restaurant just has become a, like, social media maven um, as an organization is pretty fun, but um, that was really cool to listen to you guys talk about um, all the different things involved in that with that restaurant. Yeah, it was it was neat. Again, I, I think if you listen to the podcast, if you're in the area, you've you've at least heard of Jimmy's. You you've seen you've seen their logo somewhere, but the, the kind of a deep dive into it all. Um, I, I think he's just the man. He's kind of the guy that I've kind of wanted to mold myself after. He's you know if it ha- if it has to do with the charity. He's doing it. The, the stuff that he does without even putting their name on it um, that no one will ever find out about is, is just even more impressive. Um, and he's, he's just all about being nice and, and giving back. And again, I think when, when I think of a guy just, just doing the right thing, it's, it's Johnny and, and it resonates with that restaurant. Um, the social media stuff. I mean, I've, and how many restaurants have a, have a full, a, a full restaurant party um, for their hundred K followers? Like that, the full bar, open bar, they did it all. Um, just insane. Yeah, the, the social media aspect. And I'm really glad how he dove into what, what the physical building means to him. Because um, I'm not sure if many people know that that's actually his house where he grew up. That's where his, his father, who after he came over from Greece on a boat, you know, a couple of dollars in his pocket, that, that's where he landed. And, and so when he says, you know, he grew up there and, and, and it's, it means more. it's not just a restaurant. It's not just a building. It's not just you know, bricks and, and some parking spaces. It's his literal house where he grew up. So that was neat hearing him get into that. Um, again, j- just an awesome guy, a great interview, even better food. Um, so again, if you haven't been down there, like I'd, I'll probably house, I don't know, Baker's Dozen uh, Crab Cake Egg Rolls this weekend. I haven't had one of these Crab Cake Egg Rolls, so I got to get down with you and have some of those. Amazing. They're, they're absolutely amazing. So yeah, if you haven't, you know, gone down there, you, you need to get down there. And if, if there's a sporting event on, it's on TV there. If it's, it's a wrestling event, they, they show mm-hmm. that. They show the UFC. So wh- whatever you're into, you need to get down there and watch it. If you were there right now, you would have just watched an absolute mammoth grand slam by the Yankees. I didn't oh. if you saw my face there, but I was just horrified at what I was watching. Oh, no. Oh, I no. flipped like, over to the Laker game. It was like left center, and there's a tarp over the seats, and it was halfway up the tarp. I mean, this was an absolute tank. Grand Slam. Anyways, Gio Urshela. How about that? Yeah, of all people. Uh, was that was that off Karinchak? Yeah, yeah. I once watched Karinchak uh, pitch for Bryant. Now here's an aside, 
and pitched against Maryland a couple times at Bob Terrell Smith Stadium College Park. And he was nasty then, and he's nasty now, but it did not you, work tonight. You can't wear 99 in Cleveland and give up mammos like that. With, with the – he has the, the wild thing haircut in the back. Mm. You, can't, you can't do that. He, umpire needs to call time and take the Clippers out there right now. Yeah, that's yeah. Just that, full on shave his head right on the mound. Yep. Enough yep, said. Has to be done. Enough said. And speaking of baseball, let's put a bow on the Orioles season. Uh, finished up this last weekend. Uh, when we started this podcast, we had a bit of talk about the Orioles making the playoffs. Those hopes were quickly dashed. Mm-hmm. But with that said, uh, kind of a fun year for the Orioles. And I think they made us proud. Um, a lot of the young guys played well. Um, this team stayed in games. Um, they were expected to win like eight and a half games. They win 25. Um, and RDT, your biggest, you know, takeaway or, or cause for hope as you, as you close the book on the 2020 Baltimore Orioles. Um, I, I think, I think my, the biggest takeaway was just how they didn't, they, they, they didn't really fold to the competition. I mean, they're playing, they're playing a tough, the two divisions that they're playing, the East, are, they're, they're tough. They're, they're some damn good teams. And they easily could have said, yeah, 60 games, damn, we're going to get our just absolutely abused. Let's just mail it in today or, you know. I mean, there was that one ESPN guy who tweeted out that he thinks the Orioles were going to have a hard time winning 10 games. Like, I mean, that's, that's almost just an insult. Yeah, like you said, they ended up winning 25. They cashed their over for the wins. Um, and and I, I guess that's probably my second biggest takeaway. The biggest one – was how well all their young guys, who they have been keeping down on the farm, how well they performed. You have the Dean Kramers. Guy was an absolute stud his first couple starts uh, late in the season. Keegan Aiken looked damn good. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle looked like a professional hitter. Like the, the, the balls he was hitting, how hard he was hitting the home runs, he was awesome to watch. Uh, you had a guy like Cedric Mullins who had this just incredible resurgence. He was, he was terrible last year after what we all thought was going to be the year that he took over center field spot. And it was just, it seemed like every young guy that they had down on the farm, DJ Stewart had that two weeks where we thought he was Babe Ruth, just unbelievable um, just production from these guys that, that we, that we thought were, these are the guys that are going to be on the team that competes. So I thought it was definitely important for them to come up and have success. And, and again, not every prospect is going to work out as Orioles fans. We know that, you know, for every, for every, you know, Mike Mussina, there's an Adam Lowen or one of those guys, um, Brad Bergeson, it just never works out. Um, so to see those young guys come up and again, they, they still got them waiting in the wind. They're, they're, they got an Adley Rutschman. They got a DL Hall. They got Grayson Rodriguez. They got Heston Kerstad. They got Gunnar Henderson. They got a number, probably a top five draft pick coming in next season too. So there's, there's a ton of stud prospects that these guys have. Um, that Michael Elias and, 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 and Brandon Hyde are going to sit on and they're going to let them develop. So I think just watching them mature and develop, I think that's by far the best thing that, that has come from this year. I think that's very well said. Um, nobody expected the Orioles to win 25 games. 25 and 35 is definitely a year to hang your hat on. And if you, not to get real nerdy with it, but I'm going to, again, on the second take of this podcast, struggle to pr- pronounce Pythagorean. 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 I nailed that one. Um, Pythagorean, their win-loss based on the run differential would have been 28 and 32. So there's reason to believe that this team was even better than they were, than, than what their record showed. So 
I think that the 25 and 35 number is probably ahead of schedule on this rebuild process. And if their actual true identity is a 28 and 32 team, then they may be even further along than we think. And you just rattled off all those names, uh, high draft picks, guys that have looked really good, whether it be at the Bowie training site or um, in, in previous minor league stints. They're going to be up in the next year or two, and they're going to be, you know, good ball players getting some seasoning and, and getting their feet wet and starting to make an impact. And at that point, you start looking at free agents and you start making trades and you, you start to, to put together a contending ball club. And you, it, it may have been a year or two sooner. Um, they may have reached that point a year or two earlier than we had initially anticipated. So there's a lot to be excited about. It's, it's a process. It's going to take some time, but we're on our way. Yeah, I think for me, and, and you guys touched on the personnel part of it so well um, and the prospects coming up and, and, and some of the encouraging signs. For me, and I mentioned him a couple times now since we've started doing this show, Brandon Hyde really impressed me this year. And I think he's a guy that is no longer just a, someone that's going to be sort of transitional, go through the tough years with the prospects, and then you go out and get a more veteran manager when you think it's ready to win. I think this is the guy that can win. Um, I think he's put together a really good culture. I think he handled – so many of the things from, from COVID to the social injustice stuff and allowing his players to speak out and, and do what they wanted to do. I think he handled all that stuff really, really well. And I think he showed you with some of the fire he had at all points during the year, at the beginning when no one thought they were good during the, you know, pseudo playoff push. And then in the last few weeks when they kind of fell off the wagon a little bit, he was still as engaged as he was in game one and in game 30. Um, so he's a guy I think that the Orioles have found that's a good one. I think Mike Elias did a really good job managing this roster as well. He sold at the deadline, didn't get enamored with the fact that his team maybe could push for an expanded playoffs, playoff spot. He said, I'm sticking to my plan. They went out and got some guys by selling some of those relievers. Um, I've just been impressed by, um, from the front office down to the, uh, the manager's office, I think all of the leaders, people in leadership positions for the Orioles did a really nice job. And we haven't necessarily seen that at times um, in the last 20 to 25 years of this organization. So those two guys really, especially Hyde, really impressed me this year um, and I think are, are, are leaders for the future for this organization. Um, so good stuff, I think, overall from the Orioles this year. It's hard to say that for a team that wins 25 games, um, but you know what? It's all about taking encouraging signs. This is a multi-year process. And looking forward, this is going to be the team to a certain extent next year. This combination of, you know, your Santander's and Rio Ruiz's and all these different guys with the prospects, I think Jose Iglesias has like a $3 million, $3.5 million option. So they could theoretically not pick that up or pick that up. He was great this year. I'd um, love to have him back on the team. but They would be fools to not pick that up. Yeah, so they probably, they probably picked it up. And then it's a lot of the same guys, and I don't think you're going to see Elias go really make any waves in free agency. I don't think there's really any need to at this point. Um, you want to give playing time to guys that are out there. So it'll, it's, that's encouraging as well that you're going to see a lot of these kind of likable guys back. And, and I think like just kind of backing up what you were saying, the fact that they had a plan and they're sticking to it, like you said, they, they traded their three best relievers they had this year. And, you know, Richard Blyer, Givens, and um, the heck is the other guy? And why can't I think of him? His name is escaping me. But, yeah, they, they, they traded off guys and, and received these prospects. Uh, Miguel back. Castro. Yes, there we go, Castro. Totally blanked on him. Um, but yeah, the, the, again, they, they could have held on to them because that's right when they were in that little, you know, oh, could the Orioles, the Orioles are surprised of the season, you know, 15 games in. 
And Elias was like, yeah, that's great. Here you go. Give us our prospects back. So, yeah, just, again, the fact that they had a plan and stuck to it, as opposed to the Dandu Cat where it's like, I don't know. They may sell. They may buy. Who knows what they're going to do? And then they end up trading, you know, Hunsu Kim for Jeremy Hellickson and stuff like that. Like, he didn't panic. He, he, he stuck to his guns, and he, and he, and he you know, we're, we're just going to keep stocking that pond. And I don't even think I mentioned his name, but they're going to add Trey Mancini back next year. I know we talked about him a lot yep. last week. Guy almost hit 300, hit 35, and batted in 100 two years ago when he was healthy. So they're adding that bat to this lineup. Like I said, th- that's the core of the guys who are going to be there when this team competes and when they're good. So, yeah, it's, if you're an Orioles fan this year, had to at least get you jazzed up and, and just excited for the future. And we, we haven't seen a farm system like this. I don't think anyone who we pretty much interact with or anyone who listens to this podcast, we haven't seen a farm system from the Orioles like this, where it's like stud, 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 you know, top 10 prospects, top 10 farm system. So it's, there are some good things coming. And I've, I've told people, look at the White Sox and what they did. International signings, you know, they drafted these guys and they're in the playoffs now. So it's, they're, they're a team that kind of mirrors what the Orioles want to do. And, and I think it's, it seems to be off to a good start. Yeah, and I think that, like, one more thing needs to be really said here. Um, what if Chris Davis gets hot? Don't. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> don't. What oh. if Chris Davis gets hot? I mean, it, that could happen. That's what it – yeah. I mean – What if What if my aunt had balls? <laughs> my uncle. Oh my gosh. I will say in a, in a real way to finish it. <laughs> uh, the organization also handled um, the Mo situation fantastically. Um, and they, uh, they did a great job with that stuff. Um, and the Trey situation, they handled great organizationally as well. Um, I think they did. You have to give props to them for that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and in a world where we, and, and people rightfully at times just destroy the Orioles for every single thing that they do. You have to give them props for those things. Yeah, and I, I made sure I know some of the, the, the people in the PR department, Kristen uh, Hudak and, and Jackie, and I, I made sure to text them after the season. Like, just because, again, I feel like the, those people kind of go unthanked a lot. And I said, hey, you know, just want to let you guys know, every video, every tweet, every graphic you guys did, whether, again, whether it was for Mo, whether it was for the social justice stuff, like it, you guys absolutely knocked it out of the park. Because I'm sure a lot of the stuff they see on Twitter is just a lot of negative stuff. So it's like, hey, I, I thought you guys handled it all great. And um, I know it's not, it's not too big of news, but I did just read that they, uh, they're not bringing back their pitching coach, Doug Brocale, or the third base coach, Jose Flores. So I've now uh, formally sent in an application to be, request, to be interviewed for the third base coach uh, position. Wow. Next year and into the future. So don't be surprised if there's a video resume floated out there tonight maybe tomorrow by the time you're listening to this so uh again there could be some scheduling conflicts with the podcast next year if the job is in fact mine but we'll see we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there i think we can work around those things i think you'll you can wear number 52 um which mm-hmm. would be great pub for the pod and i i think you waving guys home putting on the stop sign being having a little bobby dickerson unpredictability over there uh would be, <laughs> be fantastic yeah fantastic make it work um uh, pitching coach, who who would you bring in as the pitching coach? Combine with you. There's, a, I, I think, Banks and I may be able to do like a two for one. You know, maybe one salary, two package people. deal, same resume, yeah. uh, Mac and Charlie style, just for the hell. Yeah, of- <laughs> you're you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah, we could do yeah. that. 
Yeah, I could do that. I could get these boys doing some towel drills real quick. <laughs> yeah, some weighted ball drills, just all the oh, different yeah. stuff. What's the thing Bauer has Bios? that he like the um the big oh, stick the, that he shakes? The arrow band. Yeah, it's like oh, a shake. I can't remember what those. Uh, the oh my gosh. I've used those before. Not, I'm not that I'm they're crazy. Head. I had to do some physical therapy for my rotator cuff. No big deal. Thirteen year old throwing curveballs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they get you working on those things. Those things are sweet. I think they're called like the blade. I think they're called something blade. They I look like blades. Man, the Maryland, Maryland baseball program is going to be disappointed in my inability to think of what this is. <laughs> but shout out to the Orioles. Um, and and speaking of that, not to not to spoil anything here. Um, but we're going to go to Nick Kaner medley, uh, man, person, whatever you want of the week. I'll start with you, RDT. What do you got? So, so my Nick Kaner medley person of the week is actually the person who we interviewed earlier, John Minadakis, owner of Jimmy Seafood. Um, and it goes to him because there's a little story time. So at about 530 last Thursday, I got a text from him saying, your boy is doing a signing tonight at Jimmy's. And I, my exact text back was, pardon me? And he said, I can't believe I forgot to tell you. Um, we have an Adley Rutschman private signing here tonight. And I said, okay, well, you let me know when and if I can show up. He said, it's private. I didn't buy a ticket to it or anything. And he said, well, luckily for you, you're friends with the owner, so he can let you in any building, any room in the building. I said, sir, you tell me what time to be there. I'll tell the wife that she needs to do uh, bath time with the little one alone. And uh, – your boy will be there. So we rolled up, got there. Um, Johnny walked me up. They kind of have these like, it's a stairway up and it kind of looks like a closet. It's almost like a hidden entrance into their dining room. And I walked up and there was probably about 20, maybe 15 tables, just Adley stuff everywhere. I'm talking, it looked like Helga Pataki's closet with her gun, <laughs> gum shrine of Arnold. It That's was so good. It was fantastic. Anything you could have ever wanted memorabilia wise jerseys hats pictures balls catching gear gloves batting gloves i mean oregon state football jerseys um they had it all and so we walked up john said hi to the his audit his memorabilia guy phil and phil turned around you know he, he adley shook hands with john talked to him for a little bit and adley you know turned around and he said you know do you know this guy and adley said you know what's up eric how are you and I almost fell just flat on my back down those stairs. It would have been, it would have been worth the fall. I mean, it was, it was quite the shock when he, uh, you know, knew my name. And he said, yeah, you know, I read all your stuff. I see all your tweets. You know, definitely thank you for all the support and everything, everything about me, everything you write, you know, it's so, it's so funny and, and all that stuff. So that was, that was a nice, you know, little, uh, some compliments from him. And, and we chatted for about five, ten minutes. Um, and then I let him get back to signing the autographs, but, uh, yeah, it was massive dude. Like I said, if you saw the picture, I, I only retweeted it like six or seven times. So you probably missed it. Um, just an absolute massive dude, but again, really couldn't, couldn't have been nicer. I told him that we got to work on our, uh, parade planning. Cause we got one coming up in a couple of years. And he, he said, that's the plan. So, um, yeah, just, just a really cool night. Um, really cool event. And again, John, he's all about doing nice things for other people and, and, just gave me a nice little heads up, and within 15 minutes, I was shaking hands with uh, the soon-to-be be one of the best catchers in, in uh, baseball. So, did you did you get a tuft of his hair for your own closet? <laughs> I, I did not. I did. I did not. I should have. Uh, could have done the little jackass and kind of just go up the back of his neck with the trimmers. Um, he agreed to no, come on the pod. Yeah, I was yeah. Ask the same. 
you know, I don't really remember anything I said. Um, <laughs> I may have mentioned it. I may have slurred it in there. But yeah, you know, we, we DM'd uh, on, on Instagram after that. And so, we'll, you know, I have an open line of communication that, that I don't want to abuse, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do something. We'll, we'll make something happen soon. Well, he'll be third base coach, so. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be exactly. waving him around for, for uh, the, the walk-off win in the world. Have Series. you worked on your, your handshake when he's rounding third on his uh, – mm, It's a great call. No, no, and I figure we'll, once we become better friends, I can kind of gauge him and, and know what he wants. I don't know. Gene Carlo does the football thing, you know, the, the handoff, little play action. Maybe something like that. I don't know. Okay. Maybe just like a hug, just that like a guys being guys hug. You know, brother, you guys, a, don't shake hands. Brother's got a hug type thing. So something <laughs> maybe like Maybe a that. long snapper type of thing, you know, something Ooh. for this boys. He, did, he kicked a 65-yarder in uh, high school. So heads up, Justin Tucker. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the, the, the new kicker controversial will be Adderley versus Tucker that Ravens fans can get. It could um, be. Stupidly yeah, upset yeah, about maybe, that'll be yeah, great. We'll start that narrative. Yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic stuff. I, I really just wanted to know if Adley made any more moves with Matty Pruitt of Bachelor fame. So, so he did because that's he, really where my concerns are. He did tell me, he said, My buddies and I, my boys and I, we were laughing at your Matty blog. And I kind of said, Oh, yeah, you know. And then I thought about it. And I'm like, Who? Like, what? What are you talking about? And he said, Oh, Matty, Bachelor. I was like, Oh, of course. And I, I was telling him that that was probably one of the worst experiences I've had writing a blog because of the research I had to do for it. It was all Bachelor and Bachelorette. And I had no idea what any of it was, who these girls were, what anything meant. And I hated everything about it. It's, it's, it's a special kind of, of place, that Bachelor Twitter. And I will tell you what, it is not meant for me. I will, Taylor, I will gladly hand over the reins of of any bachelor or bachelorette talk to you on the podcast so sure, sure. i'll i can serve as your lead researcher if we if we go down this road again uh, my, um, my as someone that participates in a bachelor fantasy league oh, i can uh i can accomplish that uh, for i you. was exhausted reading like a paragraph just about her not her but like the every, the situation and and he said this and then she did this and then cried and i was like i could not be more out on this entire thing so yeah it was. Yeah, it, uh, it's all yours, man. Don't. I won't fight you for it. For sure. For sure. And and we'll get into uh, we'll get into more batch talk as uh, as I'm sure this this pod goes on. Um, <laughs> but let let me uh, go through my my uh, Nick Cannon medley person of the week here, and I will do some brief some brief honorable mentions. Uh, one to KJ Costell, the Mississippi State quarterback who threw for about 700 yards against LSU. That was fantastic. That was a decent uh, decent decent performance. Israel Adesanya. In the UFC, uh, got a knockout. And I, maybe I'll go watch the next one of his fights at Jimmy's. As you said, they have UFC fights over there. So maybe I'll make that trip. They show uh, them Fantastic all. performance from him. I have to uh, give a shout out to my guys, uh, Team Europe in the Captain's Cup. Uh, Brian Gibbons, Alex Carroll, Mike Myers, who overcame uh, Team USA um, and Black's team um, in that great golf competition. I'm sure all of Ocean City was locked in on this weekend. <laughs> Uh, no no other events going on in Ocean City. Yeah, no, no, nothing else. Nothing else going on in Ocean City. But, and this goes back to Jimmy's again. We're just making, we're, we're, we're tying this full circle. Um, my Nick Kaner medley, person of the week. And as people get to know me on this show, uh, I'm a big wrestling guy, WWE guy. Uh, and I'm giving it to Roman Reigns, who put on a sensational performance at WWE Clash of Champions. He is now a heel. Um, and if you don't watch wrestling, that means he's a bad guy. Uh, and he is incredibly entertaining right now um, and put on a great match with Jey Uso um, and uh, made himself the tribal chief. 
So if you ever want to talk wrestling, uh, slide into the old DMs with me, and I'll go back and forth with you. And I'm sure this will come back up as we go through at some point, um, especially with, uh, with Jimmy's being a friend of this show. They love wrestling over there, and I also love wrestling. So that will, uh, that will be involved um, as we go through. So, yeah, Roman Reigns wins um, the my Nick Cannon medley, Maryland person of the week. Shout out to him. Uh, Banks, you're up. I'm up and I'm back. I guess I lost connection there, but uh, you just do the wrestling thing there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big wrestling Maryland talk. Least. Yeah. Uh, Maryland Man of the Week for me is Lighthouse Sound. Beautiful golf course. Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, golf. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Bishopville, Maryland. So right there across the, uh, the bay from Ocean City. Uh, just a phenomenal golf course. If you're a golfer and you haven't been out to that course or you've been to Ocean City and haven't played it, you're missing out. Um, just some unbelievable holes along the bay. Yes. Um, so you get that, that real linksy, you know, right on the water kind of feel. We get the wind blowing. It's just a beautiful place to be. Um, played there on Saturday after a couple other uh, rounds on Thursday and Friday at some beautiful courses. And uh, the Lighthouse Sound definitely takes the cake. Um, and that is my Maryland Man of the Week. Uh, difficult for me. I struggled at Lighthouse Sound. Not yeah, you got beat up by it a bit. Yes. The wind and the fact that you had to carry balls over water didn't really suit my just prey kind of golf game at this point. <laughs> I thought you were the aerial attack kind of guy. Well, that happens too. I, I'm, I'm an inconsistency kind of guy. I'm an inconsistency kind of guy. But, but respect to you and your team for, for giving us some fight in the Captain's Cup. Um, and I'm did sure you hit that on the honorable mentions? Or honorable, mention, honorable mentions. Honorable uh, mentions. Talked about our, our sensational victory over your your group from the United States uh, in your tacky shirts. Oh, <laughs> gee, you didn't need to go after the shirts. The shirts are <laughs> phenomenal. The shirts brought some pizzazz to the event. You yes. guys just bought some blase blue shirts. And blue <laughs> no, pants. we were. We, I you mean, couldn't we, even get on the same page about the bell, Mike. Wow, that's not going. Just to some it. real high horse European snobbery on your part. <laughs> yep, yep. We we played to our we played to our personality and we got a win. So yeah, you beat a guy with a broken tailbone. Whatever. Yeah, I took all four points off you. So not sour. Yeah. So really, who's the best golfer on this show? It's not me. <laughs> no comment. But that course, that course right was now. that course is beautiful. Unbelievable. Uh, and 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 um, I had never been there before, and it, it was absolutely gorgeous. So if you're going to play golf, and I'm sure we have people that obviously play golf that listen to the show, um, got to get out to Lighthouse Sound. It was it was awesome. Yeah, and if you're a listener of the podcast and you have any good golf courses in the area, and you just want to have a you know throw a free round our way, and you know the Dexa Fifty Two boys will come out and play your oh, course yeah. and give oh, yeah. a review and give it a shout out on the sure. You know, anybody on anybody at Caves Valley Jingle, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. That so, is absolutely that is absolutely true. We will we will take uh, we'll take DMs any are, DMs are actually open this time. We will take anybody up on that one. Uh, Banks, do you have any updates on the list? Any additions? Oh, the list, of course. Uh, let, me, let me pull it up. I'm a little disheveled here because my connection went out. I don't know if that was discussed while I was uh, figuring it out. I'm up no, we rolled through like absolute pros. Yeah, we, we, let it, we let it roll, baby. Yeah. I bet you did. Um, I'm on my phone instead of my laptop now. But, uh, yeah, I have my, my new additions list in front of me. Uh, first one. I've been kind of back and forth on whether I wanted to add him to the list or not, because I don't know to a degree, some of what he said has, has some truth to it, but ultimately I just didn't like the way it sounded, the tone of it. And so 
he's going on the list. Jeff Schwartz, he tweeted, I don't know how you can trust the Ravens to win any big game moving forward. They have the same issue in every game when behind. They completely lose their offensive identity. And for lack of a better word, they panic. Those are things that they have done. That doesn't mean you can't trust them to potentially – I mean, they've won big games. It was on my list of ten reasons to step away from the ledge. So, Jeff Schwartz, like, sure, you can't – like, I get that you – the expectation might be that they – when they fall behind that they're going to panic. But I assure you, Lamar Jackson is going to figure it out. This offense is going to figure it out. He's on the list. I'm going to grave dance when we win the Super Bowl on all these guys on the list. Just as a reminder, if it's your first time listening, I have this list. It currently has Kyle Brandt, Stu Finer, Pete Prisco, and unfortunately, Stephen A., even though Stephen A. is my guy, I love him. He's that is your guy. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's many Stephen A. guys, but I just love what he's about. I mean, he's just I, loud, I, and he does his thing. And like, But my rules are, are fast and true. Uh, you say what you say about Lamar, and, and I'm going to put you on the list. Uh, David Portnoy is also on the list. I mean, he should have been on the list starting last season when he said he'd rather have Josh Allen over, uh, and I think he said a couple other clowns, like maybe even Darnold yeah, over that's a Lamar Jackson. And this wasn't like at the beginning of the season or before the season. This was late, I want to say, may have been after Lamar beat Josh Allen in Buffalo. And he said, yeah, Josh Allen was trash in that game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely trash. trash. Horrible. I mean, credit to him. I always appreciate quarterbacks who improve. And Josh Allen looks very much improved this year from a passing standpoint. He's been on fire to start the season. Credit to him. That doesn't make David Portnoy any less of a clown or any less on my list. After the loss, I I don't even remember exactly what he said, but it was list-worthy 100 times over. And my last addition to the list, unfortunately, is Big Cat. Big Cat is on the list. Uh, He used the F word. F word, immediate list. That's yeah. just that's a hard too. After one, he also game. called them uh, the Rockets. I've heard the Rockets thing. I mean, come on, the Rockets have done it half a dozen times. Is that right? It's like it's that. also weird that the first Lamar playoff loss gets brought into all this. That bit that team shouldn't have even made the playoffs. That was house money. Yeah, house money and half a playbook. I mean, they yeah. threw a playbook together, and it was pretty much just. Let's just use Lamar's legs and see how far it can get us. And it got us pretty far relative to what that season looked like at four and five at the bye. So throw that one out the window. The Ravens have really lost – or Lamar has really just lost one true playoff game as, a, uh, as himself or as his current self so far. So if you want to tack this Chiefs uh, loss onto it in some way, whatever. But calling him a fraud – list <laughs> that's the list that's the list i love the list shout out to chris jericho um does anybody have a rant they want to go on as we get towards the end of the show i think we kind of the, the first go around we had the mlb uh we had some mlb postseason chat i think we went sure. a little long on some things so we tried to crop it down a little bit but i still had this rant that i've been boiling on for a couple months the houston astros have been just beaten to death by everybody on twitter and i'm so sick of it I think we went around the table and we just talked about who we might be rooting for. We all agreed on the Padres. Slam the Padres. I've got Slam the shirt. Let's go Pods. Things not looking good after a game one loss. But pods Houston pod. Astros, This I was ready to talk about this before the playoffs started. After they rolled the Twins, that's a whole other discussion in itself. Oh, my God. Everyone wants to beat up on the Houston Astros. I'm all about the Astros. I'm sick of everybody whining 
over and over about what the Astros did. Baseball in its entire history is all about, all about cutting corners and, and finding edges and taking some liberties. Spitballers are in the Hall of Fame. Steroid users are in the Hall of Fame. Some have been left out, whatever. It's just weird to me how we, we have this line of delineation for no reason over one thing or another. And everyone just wanted to gang up with this pitchfork culture in 2020 and just beat up on the Astros. Like, whatever, man. They, they were <laughs> – I think they're pretty – they're pretty much the same on the home in a way. Uh, splits all season the year they won the World Series. I think that they won a bunch of games on the road on that World Series run. We don't need to get into the nuances of all that. I'm just sick of everybody crying about it. I mean, Joe Kelly, everyone's praising him and, like, bowing at his feet for doing the crybaby thing. He's the one throwing at somebody for, for, for losing or for cheating. He's the crybaby in the first place. He is the one who is whining about what the Astros did and can't build a bridge and get over it, and he's throwing at people's heads, and he does the crybaby thing, and everybody wants to be on his side about it. Fuck that. I'm, let's go Astros. Yeah, that, that takes stinks. Uh, the Astros are, are brutal. Um, none of them apologized. Uh, Carlos Correa, see uh, your comments today. They sucked. Uh, Brent was a jerk the entire time. Guy doesn't care. Jose Altuve's average has dropped like 700 points because he can't cheat anymore. I will root against them for the entire time there in the playoffs. Thankfully for them, them, they got to play against the biggest train wreck of a playoff team, um, maybe in baseball history, as the Twins. Sports history. Maybe won't win a playoff game until we're all long gone because um, that is a total joke. But, yeah, the Astros, the Astros are a joke. And if they, if, they, if they get to, like, an ALCS and we're, like, in that situation, that's a disaster for baseball. I'm, a, I'm here for Probably it. not a disaster for baseball because there's, there'll be some heat to the games. Um, and if they somehow get Dodgers-Astros in the World Series, that would be must-see TV. The, rating, but, the ratings are going to be great for, for whoever they play. But, um, yeah, I, I, cannot, I cannot support that. that. That stinks. The Astros are a joke. And Astros. Um, they don't deserve anything coming to them. But, yeah, what, fortunately for them, the Twins are more of a joke um, on it's the like field. Sta- it's like standing up for the Patriots and, and deflating. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Like they cheated. That? They tried they to get an edge. Cheating. Standing up for cheating. Like, I don't even really like this unwritten rules of baseball thing and everyone getting all high and mighty. But I'm in on the high and mighty. That was a joke. When you, I think Big Cat said it. When you have to put batteries into something to, to cheat, that's when it's over the line. There you go. It's a hard, fast rule right if there. He, I think, or, or he said if it, ha- if it comes with, like, if you have to plug it in, then, then that's cheating. But we love the pods. We're rooting for the pods on this show. Go Dads. Uh, you say cheat, I say creative. <laughs> Manny Machado uh, rolling for the pods. Uh, RDT, you said you were on a show and you said raise pods. That would be great for me. Brandon Lau, Manny Machado, one of them gets a ring. Brandon Lau, for those that don't know, former Maryland Terrapin. Yeah, Terrapin. Uh, so that would be a fun World Series. Uh, he, was an AL, he was an AL MVP, like, candidate yes, early on. First, like, 30 yes, he games, he killed it. Yes, he was. Um, he was awesome in college, and he's awesome now. That guy absolutely rakes. Um, but yeah, we will be rooting for the pods. Uh, and not the Astros, although I guess you're rooting for the Astros. So have fun. Astros, yeah, disgusting. Have, yeah, that's that's gross. Um, but what are you going to root for the Yankees in the ALCS? No, I can. No, I can not no, root for I either. Just or, root for either of them. I'll just hope for the proverbial I, like earthquake or something. I should just go like better, a, and something like that's going to happen. Have fun with that. Or we become like a Rays podcast and just go all out. Yeah, you won't find a bigger Oliver Drake fan than me. <laughs> it is nasty. Oh, Cubid Kevin Kiermaier guy? Nah, my wife is, but I, I was. Oh, there you go. I know that she is. is. Um, 
but yeah, this, this is going to be, I think it's gonna be a fun baseball playoffs. I think the eight games um, we're recording on here on Wednesday, um, the eight games in one day was tremendous. I mean, it, it was really, really fun to have all that going on. Uh, and I don't think that's going away. I think this expanded MLB playoffs thing is going to continue because of the almighty dollar. There's, this is just too much TV programming for these, for ESPN and, and Turner to give up that their baseball is giving away. Um, and it keeps fan bases engaged longer. There's a lot of reasons why you should do it. I, I understand why people don't want to do it, but in a world where baseball needs to make, wants to make more money, they're going to, they're going to keep these games going. I mean, um, it was, it was like that first March madness day all day. Yeah. Like uh, the eight, I mean, games starting at noon and going, I think the last one just it were, I don't know what inning we're in, but yeah, it started at like 10 o'clock. I mean, it's, it's great. It's, and they, they've been some good games. I mean, it's, and it started off with that awesome Reds Braves game where Trevor Bauer went just kind of just continued to add a couple zeros onto whatever, whatever number he's going to sign for this uh, off season. Yeah. I mean, great. It's, they've been some good games and if the Yankees, you know, they just hit a grand slam to come back and, and take the lead. So hoping that goes the other way. But other than that, I mean, you can't ask for a better day of, of sports leading in. And then we also have the NBA finals game one right now. South Park had like an hour long COVID special tonight. So I'm sure that was fantastic too. Like it, it was a, it was a damn good, we talk about it a lot, like a couple months ago, like, Oh, and this sports back and all these sports are back. It's going to be, it's going to be great. That checks out. This was great. Like, yeah, I, I loved it. For sure. Yeah. And you had, you had German super cup, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund. I'm sure everyone was engaged in there. I'm just kidding. Can't believe at, I forgot that. She's getting absolute head shakes from the, uh, why don't you get some standard farms championship talk? Why, why don't we? Sure. 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 Stanley Cup now over. And, and I have to briefly rant about this. Uh, I am done. I am Go off King. done with sports teams on social media congratulating other teams for winning the championship. Why the Washington Capitals, and I love the Caps, why they are on social media with a graphic with lightning players saying congrats on winning the Stanley Cup boggles my mind as someone that does social media. If I went on Maryland social media and congratulated Ohio State on winning the basketball championship, I'd get run out of the office. Like, I don't understand. Hockey, you guys don't all have to be friends. These hockey teams all want to be friends. Like, the, the Hurricanes are rooting for the, for the Stars because, you know, they're, they're standing the Stars, whatever. Fine, it's funny. I, I understand why you're doing it. You know, all these teams, um, stop it. Stop it. Let's, let's get a little edge here on social media. Um, especially the caps like it's the lightning like that's that's a team you're 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 gonna you're gonna play against i just don't understand it the ravens would never congratulate the patriots they would never congratulate the steelers could you imagine the social media like the dimensions of that oh my god congrats to the chiefs like they're not doing that it's not happening no no and maybe if you want to do anything maybe you go on and you say like you know thanks to the nhl for putting the bubble together and you and you you know you you throw a bone to your league and you make people in the league office happy. I, I get that. I get the politics that goes on in, in, in some of these things. And I understand the like want to, to appeal to like regular fans who are like, Oh, look how nice the Vegas Knights are on Twitter. I, I, I get it. But I, to make it for the caps, to make a graphic with lightning players on it. Stop. Just stop. It's gross. Just it's stop. Gross. If, Just stop. If, if they would have been like, congrats to Jeff Halpern, former capital. Sure. Now assistant coach. Congrats on the Stanley Cup. Sure. Yes. No, Very appropriate. That's great. You know, no well, problem with that. Speaks back to your fans, speaks back to your history, especially if he's got a good relationship with the organization. He's a local guy. Yeah, or you're trying to make sure he has a better relationship with the organization. If you're trying to do some make good and things like that, that I understand. 
Like if Juan Dixon won, won something at Coppin State, we'd congratulate him for Maryland. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. 100%. But we wouldn't stick – like if he was – maybe even if he was coaching a Big Ten team. But it, like we wouldn't say, oh, congrats to Michigan State on winning the Big Ten championship. It's like get out of here. It's what we want to do. So that would that I'm would out just on that. I'm out. throw a Molotov cocktail into like a fan base and just yeah. That would bring I don't the need to put any more of a Molotov cocktail in. It's already in. It's already there. <laughs> so yeah, I don't get that. I don't get why all the NHL teams have become friends on Twitter. I get all these people know each other, and it is what it is. But that's my that's my that's my rant for the week. Dude, just don't. I know. love it. Just don't, I love I love it. Just don't, yep. and, and it would be different. Like even like a, maybe if it was like a single entity league, like the Yo. PLL. Like the PLL, that makes more sense because they're kind of yes. all in it together a little bit more. But get out of here with the separate. Yes, players, Taylor, go get out of here. Get out of here. So that's my that's my rant for the week. I love it. Taylor, that's, Taylor's such a positive, positive person, just high spirit dude. But man, I just get fired up when when you go on a rant. Yeah, when you get, was, when you get going, it gets me going. I was, was all was I was good. all the way out on that. Uh, I love night. it. Uh, good job by the Lightning though, winning the Stanley Cup. Um, in games oh, that I'm sure were watched by about 35 people. So congrats <laughs> to them. Um, <laughs> that's that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, and, and hopefully next year, if the Caps are uh, good, we, we'll cover that maybe a little bit. I'm sure there's some Caps fans listening to this show. Uh, me and Banks are Caps guys. Uh, Banks are already also a Knights guy. So um, <laughs> some hockey is hockey involved things uh, involved in the show. Uh, anything from BRDT, any rant, or do you want to move to the mailbag? Um, no, I'm, I'm good with mailbag. You don't want to hammer the twins a little bit. I, they're, they should be banned from all postseason activity. <laughs> um, it's, they should, it should kind of just be like a, uh, like, like the postseason bans in, in NCAA football. I mean, it's disgusting. It's, it's gross. It's personally offensive to me that they, that they haven't won a playoff game in 18 tries. Um, do, be better, be better. I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. Big credit to the Astros for taking out the trash. We're, we're done. We're done here. Yeah, no, yeah, no, we're done no, with the Astros. No. We're not talking about the Astros anymore. We yeah. brought up a Chris Davis revival, and and, and, and now he's standing the Astros. The Astros. Yeah. This, yeah, is, the Astros. this podcast is taking a turn for the worst. One of the tougher scenes I've seen. So let's 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 turn away from that and go to our fantastic listeners who sent in a ton of questions. Once again, we won't get into all of them, but thanks um, to all of these listeners for sending them in. Two people asked very similar questions about the offense. Matt Bernstein at Bernstein underscore Matt and Andrew Norris at Andrew Norris eight both asked, why don't we stop running the ball when we get down by a decent margin? I think Matt said two scores. Andrew said down by any margin. Um, Banks, why do you think there is a propensity uh, for this team when it gets down to kind of start opening it up and trying to have Lamar be John Elway? Matt, Andrew, Taylor, Eric, God, I'm flummoxed too. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I just don't know why they they abandon the run the way they do. And God damn it, is it frustrating? Um, I mean, when they do it, it's just so effective. You look back at that first drive, and they just shoved it right down their throat. And um, I want to say when they got a little bit back more into it in the second half, they had one drive in particular where they really just gave the ball to Gus and let Gus eat. And that's another conversation in itself. Is Gus looks awesome. So yes, far. he does. And he's looked like the best back of the, of the trio, which is kind of – it feels upside down where Ingram might actually be um, – I don't think anyone's surprised that he, he could be falling down the depth chart, or I don't even know if they call it a depth chart. But, um, but anyways, somebody needs to be getting the ball on the ground. That's the bottom line. Justice I don't know why they abandoned it. 
and it's something that they need to look themselves in the mirror. And I had hoped, and I even said when they got down before they abandoned the run and then subsequently abandoned it, I said, I hope Greg Roman looked himself in the mirror after that Titans loss and learned a lesson. And it didn't seem like he learned that lesson. So what can you do? I wish I had an answer. We're just kind of got to sit back and, and hope that, well, I never hoped ever down multiple scores, but you know, till that day comes, who knows, who knows what, what Greg Roman's going to do. Yeah. I think it's, it's an interesting conundrum. I think it's, especially in that game, I really thought they were going to run the ball, even if they got down to just try to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. Rest the with defense. How, with how quick that team can score. And they just went away from it. And, and, and I, I, I don't think it's worth the overreaction that I think a lot of people are having, um, despite this now happening twice. Um, I think it's something Greg Roman will adjust to, but it's certainly worth talking about. And, and like you said, I don't know. I mean, I think the only people in that, only the people in that building know what the game plan is and, and what it's going to be. And it's not like any of the, and it's not like the one thing you have to say is none of the Ravens offensive or defensive players are coming out after the games where that happened and like attacking the staff. There's no, you know, insinuation. So clearly there is some understanding of what's going on. Um, and we'll see if that, we'll see if that continues. Uh, next question here. Um, Danny Miller asks at Danny at Danny underscore uh, four here. Which Oriole prospect pitcher do you think has the best chance to win the AL Cy Young? Rdt. I mean, you got a nice little three-headed monster there with with you know Dean Kramer, who I think led the the minors in, in total strikeouts two years ago. Um, you got him. You got D.L. Hall, who's one of the top-rated lefties, who, who is, you know, I mean, a stud out of high school. And then Grayson Rodriguez, who's just built like a house. Like, he's just – he's that prototypical. Like, he's a starting pitcher from Texas, so he's six foot eight and a billion pounds and just chucks 100. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's – you know, you kind of want to go with that hard-throwing lefty like D.L. Hall is, but, but Dean Kramer just has – and we saw it this year. Like, some of that, that, that stuff that he has is just so good. Um, I'll, I'll go with my fellow, um, my fellow, uh, Jewish, Jewish fellow <laughs> Kramer. I'm, I'm half part of the tribe. He's a full tribesman. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with my Shalom brother, Dean Kramer. I, I think, I think he's just going to be so much fun to watch, but same thing with Grayson and, um, and DL. But I, I, th I think, uh, Dean's stuff is, 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 could be Cy Young worthy, hopefully down the line. We'll see you back in the World Baseball Classic, Dean Kramer. Yeah, he's yeah, he was uh, he was a stud for them. He was he was damn good. So it was a nice little a nice little wrinkle. I heard a lot of uh, a lot of the Jewish newspapers and, and radio stations were are now big Orioles fans. There you go. We'll have, we'll have more of that media at the game. Absolutely. We'll cover one more question here, and we're gonna make this one quick. Uh, AJ at Suthtastic twenty five says. Do you guys think people are overreacting a bit to the Ravens? AJ, the answer is absolutely. People are overreacting way too much about this Ravens loss. We talked about it earlier. Um, there is continued reason for optimism with how well this team has played. And I am tired of people, anytime a team plays poorly, really in any sport, uh, freaking out and going towards the like most negative part of what's happening. And this happens in every fan base, and it is so frustrating. Maybe that's my overall outlook on life. Someone that's more positive, but there's just no need. It, it just, it creates way too much, way too much, you know, live your life, live, live your life a little bit more, you know, positive view. 
what's the point of being a sports fan if you don't have hope? Like, there's so many people out there that are throwing this take out there, and this is the most obnoxious of all of them, is that none of the games matter from here on out until the playoffs. Like, of course they matter. Like, we need to get to the playoffs. We need to improve our seating, whatever it might be. But also, what the hell are you a sports fan if you're not there for the ride? I mean, mm-hmm. um, that's, John, the, that's the most fun part. John said this on the interview pretty much. Like, last year was the funnest season I've ever had just watching 16 games of a football team. And it wasn't even close. I, people, people just seem to have forgotten where we came from. We, we've won and lost a lot of ugly, ugly football games in the history of this football team. This team is by far the most entertaining. So what, what the hell are you talking about? But, like, enjoy this football team. Don't one, understand like, it. One game stunk. We had no fun on Monday night other than Duvernay. So what? We're going to have fun next week beating up the Redskins. We're going to have fun beating up on the Bengals. We're going to have fun beating up on the Eagles. And then everybody and their mother is going to be fired up to play the Steelers. It's going to be just like it was on Monday night. Everyone just coming out in droves. Well, not literally, but – just coming to the Twitter streets to watch this football team. Everybody's going to be real excited about it. Get out of here if you're doing that whole narrative. Stupid. Settle down. And if and by the way, if they start to, to, to struggle and lose those other games, we'll be right there along with everyone at that point panicking. But after this one, I'm just not there. I'm not there. Now, if, they, if Dwayne Haskins comes out and throws five touchdown passes against the boys on Sunday, ooh, baby, it might be a little bit of a different podcast. Settle, you need to settle down. But that, that, just, that just will not happen. Car- Carmel will never allow Dwayne Haskins to, uh, to beat my team after he, he, he left Maryland in a lurch. So. After he was an 18-year-old and wrote a letter about how his whole life he wanted to play for Ohio State. Yeah. So. Like he was LeBron. Shout out, shout out to Dwayne. Shout out to the, to the Washington professional football team. And shout out to the listeners. We won't get to all these questions. We tried to cover some during our analysis to make sure uh, we filled some of that stuff in. Um, so we, many questions, man. So like, many sorry. questions. Like, he, like, like all these people. I'm just going to shout them all out. Alex DeLong, Ethan, Matt Bernstein, Devin Turk, some guy, just AJ, Will Thomason. By the way, apologies if I get your last name wrong here. Robert Fagan, Andrew Norris, Tommy Rinder, Matthew Jones, Danny Miller, Ben O'Connor, Will Frudell. Ryan Canella, Andy Gritkowski, Grant Batters, uh, our guy, me and Black's guy, Ryan Lee, who asked us about the election. Uh, we'll be talking about that on our other podcast today in Baltimore mayoral politics, but not on this show. Uh, <laughs> David, uh, Julia Rice, Jake Brandon, and Ben Smith all submitted questions to us. Um, and we are very appreciative of that. And some of these questions we will get to um, on later episodes. We keep them all. Um, and if sort of topics apply themselves to them, we will bring them up. But uh, Thanks to everyone that keeps sending in questions. And now the DMs are actually open on the Twitter. Thank you uh, to our intern for actually getting that done. Uh, so we can <laughs> accept questions that way. Yeah, and, uh, I guess we didn't bring you up to speed on this, but we, uh, we requested um, to interview John's uh, coordinator for social media. Oh, wow. So um, Does he congratulate other seafood restaurants on selling crab cakes? <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely not. Thank um, God. Then bring him on the show. Hot seat our intern, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've seen there. But, uh, yeah, thanks for the continued support. Some awesome stuff um, from our listeners throughout. Um, thank you for some of us um, coming to our defense as we got abused by Chiefs fans in our mentions. 
uh, Monday night, and probably deservedly so, but that's okay. We will continue to roll behind our man Lamar and continue to support him. So no big deal on that front. And that's it for this week on the Exit 52 podcast. Thanks once again to our great listeners for tuning in. Make sure to tell your friends. Make sure to like, rate, review the pod um, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to follow us at Exit 52 Podcast on all of your social media channels. Uh, we continue to bust out some content from there. Great job by, uh, by Banks going out there and getting the, uh, the run-in uh, for the Ravens on, uh, on Monday night um, and, and getting that on-the-ground content here. from really our- take off. Well, at that, it, it, maybe if the game goes better, it does a little bit better. Social media is a fickle thing. Social media is a fickle thing. You can follow that man of that content at Barstool Banks if you would like that. If you want to follow more Adley Rushman content and everything involved with that, you can follow RDT at E-D-I-T-T-I-22 on Twitter. And you Two can weeks follow in a row, baby. Two weeks in a row. We're not getting it wrong again. It, it's over. I mean, I'm, I'm getting it right every single time. Uh, you can follow me at Taylor Smythe 10. If you want to see me not attack professional teams about their Twitters and just rant about it in private conversations, uh, you will get none of that actually on Twitter from me. Uh, and we will see you after Sunday's game analysis. We will record right at the end of what is hopefully a blowout against the Washington professional football team. We will do the instant analysis after the game on Sunday and we'll be back for the regular show dropping next Thursday um so make sure go back and listen to other episodes and thanks so much for listening we'll see you next time on the x52 podcast